0: I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself And there's some stories I can tell you I had to fail, had to fall just for what
1: I did well And there's
0: some stories I can tell you Hello, welcome to the final Word Daily from this, the fourth T20 International between England and New Zealand. I'm Andy Zaltzman, with me is Jeremy Coney. Now, Jeremy... Yes, I'm a uh, co-host. Okay, we have to clarify this before we start the show. Your status in this, you are emphasising you're a co-host, not a guest. I'm definitely a co-host. I've been a guest
1: a few times on this show. Right. I asked to be co-host, I wrote to uh, Adam Collins... ...and he replied, Yes, you may... Right. So I was taking that as my position was confirmed. Right.
0: Lofty though it okay. is. Yes. See, I, I'm not sure of my exact position on this. You're, I'm you're a co host. I'm a co host, yeah. officially. Um, so, uh, so here we are, the end of the fourth T- T20 International. As is the tradition for this show, we need you to sum up what you've seen in exactly 30 seconds. Right. Intimate
1: ground, uh, eccentric boundary on one side to the west made it difficult for bowlers from certain ends, particularly when a left and a right-hander could access that side, either of them. Uh, England won toss, battered, started brilliantly, 60-odd for none or something like that, perhaps one in the first six overs in the power play. Then it all started to go awry for them. Oh, no, maybe not. Maybe they got 10 overs and they got to about 90 for one, didn't they? And, and Bairstow going, well, how long have I got to go? They finish badly and only get 175, which was a total I thought they were heading beyond at the halfway mark. So New Zealand in with the chance. Why? Their spinners took wickets. Sodi, two, quite cheaply. Two for 20-odd. Santner, three. And that that did a lot of, you know, undid a lot of the good work that England had. Uh, New Zealand chased sensibly until they got to sort of overs 8 through 10, 11. They pulled it back England. New Zealand lost wickets. But then came right again with Seifert and Chapman and Phillips. And they just saw it through comfortably in the end with some balls to spare. And only,
0: oh, I don't know, how many down were they? You Rick, you can fill in your part <laughs> oh, really at this point. I have my magic scorecards yeah. here. Yes. And that was precisely 30 seconds plus <laughs> no. give, give or take, <laughs> give a, or take, couple take a couple of minutes. <laughs> uh, they were f- f- only four down, 16 balls to spare. And after, yeah. after that little wobble... Yeah. What was, uh, I guess, really good about the way they played from the sort of 10th over onwards when they, they were 96 for 3 after 10, only needed 8 and over. Yeah. But they hardly played any dot balls in the next 5 yeah. or 6 overs. So it wasn't a flurry of boundaries. They got a boundary every over from then on, but only, you know, a handful of dot balls yeah. for the rest of the innings. It was uh, very controlled It was. It was measured. Chess, measured, chess. I
1: think. And um, f- from my point of view, Alan, uh, as he does, loses his shape. In, in this cricket stroke, and that means he's not pl- using as much wood on the bat that he might like, so he misses it more often. Uh, and then opening with him was I can't think of today. Uh, change. Today. Well, Cypher's up yeah. from number three. Cypher's an important little player for New Zealand, uh, especially with the way that Williamson has been out, and he's he's got a couple of scores now in this this series. Uh, and I thought, again, he played sensibly, uh, and particularly Phillips. Phillips has got runs virtually every game in this series, so he's been the cog. Batting at four, they've moved him up two positions. He's normally a, a power player at number six. They like the way that he can nurdle it, and instead of getting one, he'll take two because he's so quick. Um, he's quite an athletic runner, also in the outfield for fielding. Um, but, but he also is a power player as well and can suddenly... J- generate, you know, he can bully the ball over a muscular player. Um, So that, uh, I thought Chapman showed a little bit today that he could play spin bowling quite decently. That might help him as far as the next one day tournament is concerned going to India. Um, He's also got quite a lot of power. He times the ball quite nicely. And I was quite pleased for Ravindra, who's been languishing down really as a batsman, who bowls a bit, but they have been using him the other way round in the New Zealand side at numbers sort of seven and eight. Here he came up to six, and I, he looked as though he could play. And so I was quite pleased he didn't get out, and he didn't sacrifice just because of risk and wanting to, to play. They could just quietly get there, and that's what they did. So it ended up quite a comfortable victory. Didn't feel like at once Mitchell was run out and then Seiford fell straight after.
0: Um, Ravindra came in and he was the sixth bowler used. The first yes. time in this series, New Zealand have used more than five bowlers. It yes. gave them a lot of flexibility. And the spinners, you mentioned, that was really the big difference in the game. Both sides' pace attacks struggled. Henry was the only one that I think went for under nine and a half and over yeah. uh, in this game. And we've seen in this series. Some kind of reverse reversal of the spinning polarity after two games. The first two games, England spinners much more effective. I think yeah. seven for hundred odds, uh, yeah. going at under seven and over. New Zealand's went for over ten and over, yeah. and took expensive wickets. In the last two games, New Zealand spinners collectively done really well. I've got the, I've got the numbers here on my magic yeah. pad. Ten for one hundred twenty-one at seven and over. England's three for one hundred eighty odd, also at ten and over. So it just switched. How can you explain? Why the polarity of the two-side spinners changed after two games, Jeremy. What, well, what, think, what's been going on in the universe? Yeah, well,
1: I, I would. the only one that comes to me immediately, Zoltz, is the fact that New Zealand got some runs in that third game. Right. And so they had a total to bowl to. And they didn't go that well, actually, in the power play, England. They've been always giving Santner one over. I think they feel he's the one who's got the most control. Um... And then, of course, they got behind. And so, you know, that always puts pressure on batsmen to play extra shots. And the spinners were, were quite... I mean, Sody, I don't know what you think of So, do you, do you see him as being a really threatening bowler? I, I see him as quite flat. I don't see him as turning the ball a great deal. I'd love to see him, for example, turn even one hard in the first over to, to, to get a thought on the surface of the batsman's mind, I've got to watch this guy, and then he can bowl those flat, skiddy kind of leggies that Rashid Khan and all those guys have found so successful to bowl. But, I, you know, at least they can't get under him. He got away with some dreadful nonsense yes. today, well, didn't he?
0: There was one ball today that's got to be right up there in the amongst the worst pieces of cricket Almost in the history the, of the international the game. A filthy ball way yeah. down the leg side. Brook, who could have left it for a wide... Who could have smashed it for four, totally mishit it. It was a good piece of fielding which disappointingly ruined the terrible aesthetic of the ball. Um, I mean, for me, always the worst ball in the history of international cricket. I don't know if you remember it. It was an ashes test at Lord's. Graham Swan bowling to Chris Rogers. Mm. Filthy full toss. Hit Rogers sort of high up on the leg. Mm. uh, Given out LBW. Uh, Rogers didn't refer it and it turned out it wouldn't have been out if he had referred it. So it was a bowling error. Terrible ball. Terrible shot. Bad umpiring and a failure to refer. I mean, it's, hard, it's going to be hard to be that, but this, this was quite an impressively <laughs> this is, this is terrible ball. Yes, it was a challenging one, I've got to say. But, I mean,
1: nevertheless, uh, he obviously bowled a good, good enough deliveries in between those, and he had a few of them. Uh, he got a wicket off one of them, I think. Um, but, nevertheless, I mean, New Zealand did pull things back really well in that second part. Uh, and, and they did the same. So to answer your question, I think they had runs in the first, in the first uh, part where New Zealand actually were coming back from all that meek start they had in the two games. They played better in, in uh, at Birmingham. That suited them I thought that pitch. Slightly more intimate grounds where New Zealand are used to that. They're used to that size. They're used to the, the pitches being just a bit holding and that's what the Birmingham pitch was. This was harder for New Zealand today because it was coming on a bit more. It seemed as though, I don't know what you felt, whether the, you felt the openers seemed to really enjoy the new ball coming on. I mean Bairstow
0: played quite some nice shots today I thought. Uh, yeah, well still Statistically, it was basically the worst T20 international for pace bowlers ever played in England. The two sides' pace attacks, two for 192, I think, in 17 yeah. overs, almost 12 and over, second highest economy rate by pace bowlers collectively in a 20 in this country oh, and second fewest wickets. So if you combine those stats, worst ever game for pace bowlers in T20. I thought T twenty
1: as you said, yeah. was the exception.
0: So in that context, and in fact his last over, uh, he yeah. went for three and a leg by, yeah. that just kept that total, kept it down below... Below nine and, and look,
1: over. It, look, it was looking like 220, wasn't it, at, at the halfway stage, if if England just batted nicely. I thought Milan struggled a wee bit. Brook didn't do much at all tonight. That's two gay, two poor games he had and two decent games. Um, and, the, I mean, that their middle order
0: just didn't supply anything, did it, really, today, which is odd. It's uh, odd. Yes, and uh, Milan's had a bit of a curious series, really. Started yeah. well and then... You know, the, his form hasn't been great well, the last sort of couple of years in T20. He Have that amazing start. So his overall stats have always been good. Yeah. But if you break it down, the first 24 games, 1,000 runs, averaging over 50, good strike, great. Since then, quite inconsistent. And I guess maybe that's something that, you know, with yeah. uh, the, the, you know, the, the concerns about his, the slowness of his starts, which in the early part of his career wasn't really an issue. Uh, maybe that is becoming more of a problem. What I'm going to ask you now, Jeremy, we, we've had four four games yeah. of a T20 international series. Mm. Uh, it's ended two all. No one's no one's won. Obviously, traditionally, as as you know, when there's a tied result between England and New Zealand uh, in limited over cricket, England wins. It's decided by most boundaries, very <laughs> of course. And over the four games of the mm. series, New Zealand seventy five, England seventy nine. So it's another. The win, yeah, by the win. We're going to have to change our team talks. I think really the night
1: before. Now look, boys, make sure you get boundaries (laughs) today. Okay, we've got to win too. We know that, but make sure you hit boundaries.
0: And, you know, in terms hey, of. The... Right. <laughs> Can you see a captain saying that in a deep talk? <laughs> well, that's what made that's that in... whole thing so utterly ridiculous, wasn't it? The you know, anyway. they decided. On... Anyway, that is water under yeah. a, a ridiculous. Bridge. But from New Zealand's perspective, to do it
1: in the last two rather than the first two, I think that feels better. It's a little bit like the Ashes finishing the way that England did in the Ashes as well, where the, where the impetus was going their way, no doubt about that. New Zealand, I, I'm looking forward to the ODIs. Um, obviously, it has a lot more relevance than this. Uh, and I'm ho- do you know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping that as far beyond these four games, I'm hoping that one or two teams try to instead of having that because it's it's on it's, it. seems as though the format's on death on its death throes, and yet it's been the golden goose for about thirty years. But I, I just hope that they move the attacking intent away from, from 20 over cricket, when there are four men out, you know, when they have to bring someone in, bowlers hate it. But that's what we've got in, in 50 over cricket from over 11 to over 40. Now, why can't we use that approach and perhaps restructure some of our sides to attack during those overs and look to go a little bit harder. Look at remember 96, when Sri Lanka, of course, attacked the first 10 overs. Well, it was and 15 it, then, wasn't it? Was it was 15, 15 exactly. exactly. So, and it worked for them, didn't it? And it changed the game. I wonder whether someone will be creative enough to do something like that. And then Deepak Patel opened the bowl. That was a bit new as well. But I'd like to see someone look at that second power play and say, hey, only four out. It's only three that side and one that side, or two and two, and that's okay. We know how to hit the ball. We're used to that with all the games of 2020 cricket we're playing now. Let's
0: attack them there and see what they do. Well, I guess th- England like did that. That. in the previous World Cup cycle, a little bit like that. And in fact, they didn't do it as well in the tournament itself as they had in the years years leading. You need up to it. certain pitches, don't you? And this was a little bit like the
1: motorways rather than the b the b roads yeah. that we ended up playing, and that
0: kept a side like New Zealand in that World Cup. So, it's the end of a of a t Twenty international yeah. series. I don't know what cosmic relevance it has. Two games all, no really good games, no, all one-sided, no, All one, choice always makes one T20 side. slightly yeah. unsatisfying. But yeah, as you say, the one day is with the World Cup and that opening game on the 5th of October yeah, between these sides. A shootout. So many psychological points to be scored <laughs> that may become irrelevant if whoever's batting first collapses to 10 for 5 in the first few overs. Uh, before we go, it's time for the final word, a Hall of f- Fame, uh, which doc- doc- documents the most final word moment of the day, well, I think we've already talked about it, Jeremy. That that oh, appalling so delivery. delivery.
1: Yeah, it l- almost left the ground. Yeah, uh, just landed, managed to land on the edge of the pitch, the leg side leg, you know, line of the of the pitch. Brooke chased it, almost tripping over. Yeah, and hit it on the back of its head. The ball I'm yeah. talking about. He might as well have and, hit himself on the back of the head. It wouldn't be <laughs> as effective. Yes, and he hit it straight to the person. Oh, no. That sort of short, fine leg and got no runs from it. It wasn't a wide. You took a
0: wide out of play. <laughs> Just a dot ball in the scoreboard. But, but what for. a dot ball. It it's was. always nice as, you know, as, and you played you know, elite level international sport, Jeremy, <laughs> but for someone like me, it's always nice to be watching international sport and see something happen and think, I could have done that. So village. <laughs> so village all round. <laughs> so there you go. That is the uh, Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame and this show. Is brought to you by the wonderful Final Word Patreons. If you like what we do, get on board at patreon.com the final word. I ain't protected, brother. I ain't fenced. And if my future questions my current senses, that'd be the same we've been doing for centuries. Sorry if I ran out to empty broke this, so you know what I meant here. I had to go.